Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to welcome back to the show Chris Ward. She's the author of the book, Win the Hour, Win the Day, Time Management for Small Business, a four-week productivity plan to go from overwhelmed to highly efficient and reclaim your life. She's been on the show once before. We talked about her book that time. We kind of get into it again this time. And in fact, I kind of look at this conversation as a part two to that conversation because we retread a little bit, unpack with now some distance of time between that conversation and this one, as well as then diving deeper into the fact that time management isn't about going faster or being in a constant state of high activity. And it's not about being busy. It's about being productive. But what does that really, truly mean? And then we move into building of a team, how to know when it's time to add someone to your team avoiding some of the biggest mistakes you can make when you're starting your team, why you shouldn't delegate, which may surprise a lot of people, and when to start building your team so you can avoid the three Ds. What are those three Ds other than just images jumping out at you at the movie screen? Listen in to find out. But we're going to talk about systems and processes as well. So there's lots to talk about. So I'll just get out of the way and say, enjoy this conversation with Chris Ward. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome back to the show, Chris Ward. Chris, welcome back to Beyond the To-Do List. Oh, I'm so excited to be here, Eric. It's been a while, but uh, not too long. I'm so glad to have you back. Last time you were here, we were talking about your new-at-the-time book, Win the Hour, Win the Day, Time Management for Small Business. It's a four-week productivity plan to go from overwhelmed to highly efficient and reclaim your life. There's a lot in there. For those that haven't gone back and listened, which I will link up in the show notes, what is your kind of elevator pitch for the book? <laughs> well, listen, it usually starts with Eric Fisher said, because <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but on the show, you said it was one of the best books on that topic. And I was like, write that friggin' down. That's what I was. So anyhow, I think what I really love about it, what people tell me they love about that sounded very self-serving. What people tell me they love about it or what I am proud of is they say it's an easy read. And they can read it and implement things immediately. So it's not conceptual. It's big results, no fluff. It's let's get to it. It's none of this vagueness type situation where I think that frustrating slash insulting. Perfect. Very succinct. You know, it's not about just managing time, but it has to do with that. It's about accelerating your business. It has to do with reclaiming time, not necessarily going faster, but having kind of a planned out consistent active pace. We are all busy. Busy means like we're always constantly active, but it's less about being busy and more about instead of just being busy, being productive and having kind of a, a sense of calm 
about it, which if you know me and if you've been listening to the show recently, calm is a very big word for me to latch on to these days because we've all had a real lack of calm in our lives these days. So kind of nice to to revisit that book. And I, I would highly suggest people go grab that book slash listen to the conversation again. I'll link that up in the show notes, like I said, but that's not necessarily what we're going to talk about today, but we'll apply that ethos to this conversation. And I think this will be a good refresher for people as they're heading into the new year. We've just finished January 2023 at the time of this recording. So everybody's gotten off all their New Year's resolutions. And now we're down to real practical application here in February. And I think that's actually applicable because you were talking to me about like, we we don't necessarily need discipline or productivity hacks or hard work to run a successful business. Well, I would say, I mean, I, I would love to have more discipline. I'm always up for sometimes a productivity hack, not always. And I definitely don't shy away from hard work, but I always am more about not just working hard, but um, working smart. So I'm curious why you say we don't need discipline or hard work. Okay. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. So let me yes. start at the top because I think it's important. We, you talk about it's not about speed. And that is so incredibly important because I would identify myself as a recovering rushaholic. I thought speed was my answer to everything. And what happens is you skim over things. You're constantly at a fast pace. You get no traction and there's no depth to that. There's no creativity. Your mind just go, go, go. And it doesn't have the bandwidth to come up with you know, new and powerful ideas. So speed is actually the enemy of productivity. And that's something I did not understand for years and years. So that's super important. And Eric, when I talk about discipline, this is something that I hear all the time. And it so saddens me. I hear from, you know, entrepreneurs and small business owners. and like, you know what, if I was more organized, if I had more discipline, if I, and all these character flaws that they deem, they just have to sort of buckle down and try harder. First off, Discipline erodes your battery. It fatigues you. And there's all kinds of studies to show that. They did this really fascinating study where it's sort of like even just not having that donut in the next room that's calling out to you. It then fatigues you in other decisions you make. And I have shortened the study by a lot. But so that actually doesn't serve you. So what I'm here to really make people understand is that first off, you want to have a business that supports your life instead of consuming it. And business should be fun, or you could be at that last job you had that you didn't like. And the key to those successes are strategy. They're what I call team, time, and toolkits. And none of that is about discipline or hacks. Because I often say, too, I think it's easy to compare anything to sort of fitness and weight loss because everybody's at one point wanting to lose five pounds. And what I would say is somebody who is fit, they're not looking for hacks. They have it. So they've got the system in play. They don't need the hacks. So what, when people look for productivity hacks, it's just because the infrastructure isn't there or you think you need to be more organized. But a lot of my clients, myself included, where I was very organized when I started my business many years ago, and I thought that was my strength. But what happened was I didn't change the infrastructure. I was just reorganizing the same thing. And it's really like taking a, you know, a screw and a screwdriver and you're just stripping it. You're not changing anything. So being organized, being disciplined, these character flaws that you think you have, they're not the obstacle because you're not changing the infrastructure. Got it. And by the way, I think this is a perfect time for me to say, like when people say the words productivity hack, I don't think they're thinking of the same thing I'm thinking of. Productivity hack for me is there's a certain thing that's already set up in terms of like a workflow, like this is the way I make my coffee and it's the best way I make my coffee. A hack would be, 
oh, I figured out this secret ingredient that I add into it that doesn't add any extra, you know, effort or anything. I mean, it's the effort of scooping it out and dropping it in and mixing it, but that's minimal compared to, you know, it's not derailing the workflow. And it's not like, oh, my whole life changed because of that hack. It's just that now I'm adding in that extra whatever it is to the coffee that's giving me that extra something or other in the morning. That's maybe not the best example. In other words, I think of a hack as something that kind of like increases the efficiency of some workflow that's already in place. Well, that's exactly the word I just wrote down there as you were talking. You're right. You're looking for something that's working to make it work even better. And I call that an efficiency, an efficiency hack, where so many people are looking for productivity hacks. They're like, oh my gosh, I'm working, you know, 16 hours a day. I I need these hacks to start cutting back my hours. And that's, again, you're just chasing random things. It's not changing the infrastructure. I mean, you're a, a pretty well put together person as far as your systems go. You don't have the pain points that so many people have and that they're just relying on more time and trying to work harder and later and later. As my husband used to say, he said, I was always stealing from sleep the first couple of years I was in business. It was get up earlier, earlier, stay later, later, like sleep was the first thing you stole from. So yeah, so just keeping that in mind that your perceived character flaws are not the game changer for you to be able to scale your business. Yeah, and I think that you're right. It's it's not about hours. And in fact, we know, you know, the law of diminishing returns, especially when you're stealing from sleep. That's like stealing from yourself twice, right? Because one, you're not getting enough sleep and then you're adding more time to the problem as the fix, but it doesn't work like that because just putting more time in doesn't mean it's quality time. It's like throwing dimes and nickels at a problem when you really need a couple dollars or a five at one given point to kind of switch the metaphor, but still. (laughs) Yeah, you're on it. You got it. I know that one of the things, though, that you're great about talking about and is really kind of instrumental in terms of instead of stealing the time from yourself is why not have a team? Why can you not involve other people in the process? Of course, that comes with its own headaches and managerial type things and, you know, delegate or not delegate, assigning, all that kind of stuff. I'm curious, what are some of the things that as people decide, you know, I need to involve others in my business, what are some of the mistakes they make when they're starting out and how can we avoid them? Yeah, that's a great question. So first of all, listen, Right from the get-go, you really want to start building what I call your win team, your what is next team, so you can get to what is next, right? And it's really about getting your ideas to execution as an entrepreneur. That's it. That's the bottom line. It's getting your ideas to the marketplace. So there's a lot of pre and post work to anything that anyone does, regardless of your industry, that gets you all caught up and sort of you get caught in the web of admin. So you definitely can lighten that and take that off your plate. So then people say, oh, great, yes. I hire someone and then what happens is they're following what we've all been taught as the corporate formula, you know, big companies, whatever. We've all had this job and then your manager is really like your parent. It's a very parentified system. So it's like they check on your work like a parent to a child, a teacher to a student. And that doesn't work. It just creates another job. And so what happens, you're thinking, Chris, I'm already having trouble keeping up. The last thing I need to do is create another job for myself. So that's exactly it. You don't want to be doing it that way. So we talk about also never delegating. I don't believe in delegating. Delegating is a lateral move. It means the work has to come through you. So what we do is we set our clients up in the winner's circle with basic systems and processes and and what we call our super toolkits. And what this does is 
there are systems and processes that are constantly compressing time because you always have that next thing. You know, as you mentioned, my first book, I'll definitely wanting to be wanting to write a second book. So you always have another project. So the existing work you have, you want to always be able to compress. Now, first off, when people hear about systems and processes, Eric, you know, they always go, oh my gosh, you know, because we've all had those jobs where it's like, oh, they restricted you and they just didn't make sense. That's because those policies and procedures were usually not written by the end user. They were static in nature and they were mostly there to cover liability. So when you have them in your business, you want something that's a breathing document that constantly, as we call it, queuing, create, use and edit them. So they become more and more efficient and you're always building on your strengths. So those are some things right then and there that sort of changes how most people see the landscape of when you're hiring instead of falling into that archaic formula that's been used and still is in 90% of businesses. As you were talking about, you know, not wanting to create yet another position for yourself by becoming a manager as you bring someone on, I couldn't help but think, yeah, it's like when you add that person, you think they're going to free up so much time. And, you know, and truthfully, they can, but you need to be prepared for there's a shift. There's a, a season of getting them up to speed and gaining trust in them and them gaining trust in you and moving it, like you said, not to be a a parent role, but as a a colleague role. In other words, you're still going to switch hats or even add a new hat on top of the one you already have, boss, and then you put manager on top of that. But hopefully you get them to the point where maybe not all work needs to come through you, right? Maybe you've got so much trust in them where oh, I know they've got this covered day in, day out, and they just report to me and let me know it's done and only come to me when either they need my advice, my unique insight, something only I can do, right? Because we should only be doing the things that only we can do in our businesses, correct? And so, yeah, I couldn't help but think of that. It's just you don't want to become a parent, but um, what's that process look like in terms of Like, we all know the thing where it's like, do the thing and they watch you. I'm going to butcher this, but I'm going to try and walk through it. You probably know it, where it's like five steps. It's you do it, they watch. You do it, they do it with you. Then they do it while you watch. And then, and maybe it's only four steps. And then they do it while you watch. I mean, or they do it themselves. Anyway, it's that progression of, You show someone how to do something, and then at the end of the timeline, they're the one doing it, and you're not in the picture anymore. Ideally, that's what we're talking about, but things aren't always that neat, I guess is what I'm saying. Well, I like them to be a lot neater, so I would cut those steps way down. So (laughs) here's a quick story, Eric, that might help you. So it was like, what year are we in? 2023. So I guess it was the end of 2021. So I had someone who worked with me for a couple of years, my social media manager, Kazel. And so what happened was with all the craziness with the world closing down and it being all wackadoodle there, she found out that she was given two weeks notice. She had applied to, she was in the Philippines. She applied to put a school in Canada like years before. And then with all the lockdowns, it just got pushed and pushed and pushed, right? So suddenly two weeks before Christmas, she finds out, oh my gosh, she got accepted. She's going to be in Canada, the international student program in two weeks. So she comes to me like, oh my heavens. Now, first off, I'll tell you, She's like, is there some way I can work part-time because she wanted to stay with us? We have a 95% retention rate for not just me, but all my clients in the winner's circle because we have a very precise onboarding training, all this other stuff. And they love working with the fact that it's efficient and the people aren't barking at them, throwing work at them like most positions get, right? 
So she wants to say part-time, like, you're going to college full-time. I'm not sure that's going to work, but we can try something. No problem. Two weeks before Christmas, we know the mindset of people looking at the door at Christmas. On top of that, I was asked by somebody to do a four-hour speaking gig because somebody else had pulled out at the last minute with all the craziness going on. And it had to be custom. So now I have less than two weeks and I've got like a day or two here I can borrow from. If I practice after I pulled this speaking gig together, if I practice it even once or twice, that's a day. Like I didn't have a lot of room. So Kazel's leaving. Christmas is coming. I've got this speaking gig on like the 22nd. I put out a position to hire someone. I did interview and find someone. That's a whole process. We've worked on it for years. And I hired Mora. Mora met with Kazel. And after Christmas, the second week, I think it was like January 7th or something, I met with Mora and she was up to 80% capacity because we have super toolkits and a job bio that is so efficient. It's really like, think about sports. Think about whatever sport you're interested in. I'm a big Formula One fan. I don't know about basketball and all that stuff, but let's go with the old one, a goodie that people would know, like let's say Michael Jordan or Gretzky. And it's like, they've got the skill set, but when they switch teams, they still need to know the new play. They need to be told the play. So he doesn't have to supervise them, but they need the new play. And that's what the super toolkits are. So here I met with Mora. And she was up to 80% capacity. So this whole idea of showing them and training them, that's very labor intensive and slow moving. If it's in business, you should be able to, like a car with good suspension, hit a little bump here or there and not end up in the ditch and not be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, Eric, I didn't get back to you. We hired a new person. Here's my excuse for this week. Because what I will tell you, anyone listening is, if you hear yourself say, once I get past this next thing, ding, 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 that's an alarm. There's always going to be something in business. And so you should be able to have a smooth ride and constantly just move on to the next thing. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So I think what I hear you saying is you had prepared such an onboarding kind of just track. Now the work had been put in in advance to create that. But that was a one and done, aside from any updates, right? And then you can just speed onboard somebody, and they've still got the reference material if they have any questions, because it's literally right there. And you've clarity communicated properly what needs to be done. In other words, all the FAQs are answered there. Yeah. So let me, I want to pick that apart just a little bit because the language matters. So that wasn't just onboarding part. The onboarding is one part, and that is not related to the job. So onboarding is one thing. 
So then what we have for any responsibility for anyone has is we have super toolkits. And the whole concept of the super toolkit is constantly build on your strength and constantly look at how can we do this? Oh, how can we do this more effectively? And if we anybody misses something or working on a project, the first thing we do is look at the super toolkit and say, oh, that step wasn't clear. We have to change that step. We're always queuing, creating, using, and editing. So it wasn't that we had this great onboarding process that was compressed. It was the job itself had everything in there. And here's an important thing. When people hear systems and processes, another thing they often get confused is a lot of times people have training mixed up with systems and processes. And that delays things and confuses it and muddles it. And then you're training the user to go, oh, yeah, I already know how to do that. Skip, skip, skip. And so you're teaching them to skim over things and not follow it for gospel. Now, the beautiful thing about systems and processes, in addition to being effective and efficient and they build on your strengths, so you can do more work in less time, is they save you brain power. You just follow the steps and you just go boom, boom, boom. Okay, great. And I move on to the next thing. So I believe you should leave your day, you know, fresh and start refreshed. And your brain isn't fried at one o'clock in the afternoon because you had to think about these things in And also, in addition, so many people think, oh, no, it's my business. I have it in my head. But studies show time and time again, the brain, if you give somebody a list of seven items, the brain will only remember four and often it will rotate those four. And you use up a lot of brain power for that. So it's way more than the onboarding process. And it's a system that just is really crazy simple to follow and frees you up. And gets more work done less time and allows you to be more and more creative and bring in revenue generating activities and also compresses your team's work too, because they have to come with you when you want to do that. When I want to write that second book, they have to have time to be dealing with all the stuff that I'm going to be doing associated with that. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. I have not ever heard of a super toolkit before. <laughs> that's what we created them. Yeah. And so I, I think that's a new concept for me to think about that. I'm trying to think of, you know, what that would look like. I'm, I'm trying to go analogy. My brain's going, Ooh, what's the analogy here? I think it's the, maybe the closest thing I can come to is something along the lines of not holding the recipe in your head. I don't know if that's entirely accurate, but that's the closest thing I can think of. Because if you're holding it in your head, then it's taking up space that if it's in your head because you've just done it so many times, that's one thing. That's just mental pathways that have formed. That's different. Is it? Because what I would say to you is this. Here's the thing. Have you never been driving somewhere? Like maybe you're driving somewhere and like, I don't know, you're going to your mom's. But you're going two or three streets down, whatever. It's, it's almost like bad example, but I'm taking someone somewhere and then all of a sudden I end up on the wrong stream going, Oh, sorry. It's Saturday. I'm so used to taking you to the gym. You asked to go to see mom, right? You know, like you just end up going down the wrong road at a habit, right? So clunky example, but I also think too, you might be a recipe in your head. Not only does it take energy to keep it, but then also what happened is like, Oh, oh. right. Yeah. I make this recipe all the time, the chocolate chip ones. But I just started making the chocolate chip raisin ones for my dad because whatever. And now I get the recipes mixed up. Like, even if you think you have it in your head, it doesn't take long for something to bump it or modify it or mess it up slightly. Ah, right. That other recipe is 12 minutes and this one's 10. I just burnt it, you know? So you don't want to be using your brain power. Kind of reminds me of the movie Sully. And I don't know if people are familiar with this, but in the States, I think it's Jersey where the plane went down and he had to land it in the Hudson River. 
and nobody died and he saved everyone. If you watch the movie, what they're showing is really, to be honest, the number one thing is they were trying to find out whose fault it was because somebody has to be accountable. Even though everybody is safe, you don't, you know, you're like, okay, we, we want somebody to blame. But as they had something like, I don't know, 120 seconds to go through their steps and make a decision of what they're going to do with that plane, the pilot and the co-pilot. So the efficiency of that, that not only if that plane goes down, they're going down with it. So it's not even like, oh, darn, we upset a customer. It's like, we're all going to die. But the efficiency of those steps, you can't get muddled in the flip to page 4B and do this. And oh, no, I don't need to read that because it's training. I'm not a new pilot. It had to be really tight and succinct for them to go, no, that's not it. Nope, that's not it. Okay, great. This is our only option because we whipped through the other ones in 45 seconds. So that's the thing is everyone thinks it's all about complicated systems, but it's not. It really, and it also can be, Eric, when you think, oh, this is restricting or it's heavy. Listen, when you start with your first team person or, you know, your first outsourcer or VA, you also can be doing really basic admin work that just do a screen capture like Loom and hit record and they'll see what you're doing. They'll watch the video. They can write out the steps and then you can start to tweak the systems and processes right there. So you don't have to say, oh, I need three weeks off or I have to come in on Sundays and build all these systems because frankly, that won't work either. You're looking at the ceiling and remembering steps and then there'll be steps missing and it'll all get really ugly really quickly. But I'm so crazy passionate about this because I believe which that does not kill you makes you really tired. It's so, it does not make you stronger. <laughs> so there is easier winning and we all get so caught up in them. It took me years. I remember saying to my mom, this is nuts. If I ever thought I'd have to learn that me being a hard worker was something I shouldn't be proud of. Like that was the biggest compliment I could get for years. Oh, she works hard. She's a hard worker. She does that. And that gets in your way of scaling your business, of being efficient, of getting more business in less time. It's, it's just backwards. So speaking of scaling business, some people are hearing us talking about teams and they're like, I'm just a team of one. And I know that I'm going to need more team members at some point, but I don't really have a concept of what the timing looks like or what the load looks like or, you know, in other words, how and when should I start building my team and how do I know when that time is? It's never too early is what I think, right? And so the moment really you decide you want to have a business, because up until that, you're what I would call a sufferpreneur. That's it. And you know, you're self-employed at best. And so you want to have a team. Now, I'm all about a lean team. I'm, you know, I've been doing this for quite some time now and I have what I would deem to be a big team, which is four people. We we do a lot. We've got a lot going on with the Winter Circle and my podcast, my book and all that stuff. But you could quite, you know, comfortably have a person or two. And also the beauty of this, we're in such a magical time and we have resources we never had, you know, 10 years ago. You know, when people come on to the winner's circle and part of what we do, it's a very small part, but we do find higher training on board for you while you're learning how to do these systems and stuff, just because we don't want it to slow you down that learning curve. Because it took me years to learn how to do this and to simplify it. So when we do that for you, what happens is I don't care how much work you have or if you have a million dollars, I wouldn't hire somebody full time the first week because there's a whole process. So they're going to come on slowly two hours a day. We're going to put the systems and processes in play. It's going to be quite easy and and so affordable. Like you're looking at exceptional talent for five, six, seven US dollars an hour. 
I've had clients that came in into the winner's circle and they were paying. Oh my gosh, they thought, okay, this didn't work out, this person. So they thought they weren't paying enough. So they went from 25 to 35. And I've had people come up with like $50 an hour as an assistant. And then they're hoarding the work because they don't want to just hand that over for, it better be worth it for 50 bucks an hour. So now they're double checking the work that's sent out. And they're saying, Chris, this person, I would have paid her 50 bucks an hour and I'm paying her six. This is insane. I don't know how this, like, they just can't believe the quality there. And it's because of, you know, we've perfected this system over the years of our hiring and our onboarding and how we do it all. So there's that. So it's extremely affordable. You start off slow. You build your systems and processes with your VA. And I would also argue that regardless of what you do, I don't care if you're a brain surgeon, there's always pre and post work that somehow you start to think was associated to your work because it's like, oh, this is a thing I do. But it's kind of like, and you gave the example of a recipe earlier. It's kind of like a chef, you know, be like, okay, yeah, he's not going to get the groceries, cut up the vegetables, prepare the salad. He's there for the main meal, right? And things are prepped for him. So no matter how important your work is, there is still pre and post work that could cut down on your time. And this is a, a very quick story, Eric. We had a client of ours. She came into the winner's circle. She's an interior designer. And she said, Chris, you don't understand. I go in, I see stuff. It cannot be systematized. I can't get help. I just see it and move things around. People think I'm very magical at how I see rooms. Excellent. So her average appointment was almost two hours, like hour and 45 minutes. But we went through her process. We broke it down and we were able to articulate it a little bit, not in clumps. And then we looked that there was stuff that didn't need to be done in the home. That was pre-work. And there's stuff that could be followed up with paperwork afterwards. So we got her appointments down to like 45 minutes on average, sometimes an hour. And she just couldn't believe it. She was like, oh my gosh, I thought this is all like one thing. So now she has all her morning appointments. And now she's doing really big speaking gigs in the afternoon and being on with like guests from HTTV. She was just on a, an event with Brian Balmer in, you know, in Ottawa and Canada. Just all kinds of stuff. She's doing stuff in the U.S. It's just crazy. And she was so certain, like, you don't understand. This is, I just have the eye and it can't be broken down. So there's always a way to minimize your output so that you can scale the business more effectively. Now, I know that one of the things you talk about is when you start to build your team, you want to do it in a way that you're avoiding what you call the three D's. I'd love for you to explain what are the three D's and let's dive into each of those. Yeah, the three D's are incredibly important. And what you want to understand is this is under the guise of, yes, you do need a team. So the three D's are damaging overhead, delayed income, diminished opportunity. Damaging overhead is you. You are the most damaging overhead for your business. I know I thought for years like, oh, I'll stay later. I'll save money. I'll do this. I'll do it myself. Let's keep math very simple because I'm horrendous at math. Let's say you can sell one of your services for a hundred or $500 or a thousand dollars, right? That's a service you have. When you're doing the work yourself inside your business and you're staying at six o'clock at night, you're doing whatever. That's what you're building your company because you are not bringing in that revenue. You're not doing activities to get that next client. So you're damaging overhead. Okay. And that's huge. Now, when you do that, the second thing is delayed income. What if you got that client in June that you could have had in January? Those six months, like that delayed income really hurts. And then think if that client had given you one referral, just one referral. 
Look at the money there. So these are the things that really cost your business when you don't have a team. So damage overhead, delayed income. And then I think the most painful one of them all is diminished opportunity, where somebody says, oh my gosh, Eric, I didn't know you did that. I just locked into a contract like two weeks ago. I'm so sorry. Yeah, sorry, man. I I would have I would have went with you. It's gone. And then think of not only the lifetime value of that client, but if they had given you a referral. So those three Ds are incredibly expensive and no one talks about that. So what this means for you is if you're looking to scale your business and by scale just means you can, you know, get more money in less time and work less hours, then you really want to be mindful of the three Ds. My clients tell me all the time in the winter circle that they get 25 hours back a week within the first month of working with us. And sometimes people go, mm, that sounds like a bit much, Chris. And I'm like, the sad thing is it's not hard to do when people are working day and night. Like it really isn't when you're only Sunday and you're working, you're working Tuesday and Thursday night and one Sunday. And here's the thing. So many people don't even realize how much they're working. If they think they're working 50, 60 hours, they're probably working 80 because they're like, oh no, that's not work because I don't have clients that day. And I just get ahead of my emails on Sunday. Oh, that's not work because it's a course. Well, listen. You're not at the beach. You're not having laughs with your family. It's work. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what it is. I think it's Cal Newport, and I think it has to do with task switching, where he talks about attention, residual attention. I think that's the term. Attention residue. Yeah, attention residue. And it's it's like, wait a second. If you're stopping and starting and stopping and starting. Now, he's talking going from task to task to task. But we're talking about, well, if those times that you think you're not working, you actually aren't then none of that residue is there. But I guarantee you, there are so many activities that have that residue, especially if it's just, oh, I'm at dinner. Let's say you've got great boundaries and you leave your phone away from dinner table or something like that. Say that it's eight o'clock at night and you're watching something with family or you're playing a game and you pick your phone up and you happen to just check your email. Even if there's nothing new, you looked and you looking engages your brain in that way. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's uh, yeah. And brain power is everything. That's what I'm all about, too, is it's not just even working less and making more money and all those wonderful things. But it's like I said earlier, it's like leaving the workday still fresh. And it's also being able to be as creative at four o'clock in the afternoon as you were at 11, you know, 11 in the morning, because you're not, you know, just not running yourself down. And that's brute force. I don't confuse sweat with strategy. You know, hard work is not the answer. More time is not the answer. That's not going to get your business to where you want it to be, or you'd be there by now. You've already worked so hard. Hmm. Yeah. I know that you've got, you know, three things that you say choke a business. What are these three things that choke a business? Because I mean, I think we've all kind of maybe felt like in a way we're choking in our business, like my tie is pulled too tight or something like that. I'm not wearing a tie, but I'm I'm signaling to that. We've all felt that. And it's been kind of a, a subconscious choking. But there are some literal things that like, I'd almost think choke is a strong word. I almost think bottleneck, but I think you're right to use the word choke. Yeah, it is choking in min work, new work and busy work. And here's the thing. When you really hear that, you're like, okay, there is admin work or I have to do that. And then new work, you think, oh my gosh, shouldn't that be exciting, right? But I can tell you, I, I had a client that when she first started working with us and this, listen, I'm not encouraging it people, but it happens. When people want to work with me, often they'll mess up the first meeting that they're, can I meet with you? I want to work with you. I forgive them. They miss the appointment or it's late because they're just a hot mess. They're a hot mess. 
So if she had missed an appointment two times, I'm like, okay, you can't even get to the appointment. I can't help you. And she just sent me this email. I am so sorry this would happen. Please, please, please give me one more chance, all this other stuff. So she ended up working with us because she pleaded really well. And she said, I promise I can do this. Because all she had to do was get to the appointment. Because the thing is, when you work with us, you actually, your load gets lighter. It's People say, well, how much extra time do I need for this? And you, we're going to give you time week to week. You're not going to need extra time. Fine. So she started working with us. And one of the most shocking things that, and it takes great business maturity to own this. So she would be, and I, I be on my website, we're uploading the video now. She'd be the first to say that she tripled her income and she cut her hours down like by one quarter. In fact, she just came back from a month off in Chile. Now, what she said was shocking to her was how easy it was that she can onboard two, three clients in a week now. And she gets these big, big, huge contracts, long-term responsibilities with her clients of the nature of her work. And she said, Chris, one of them would have derailed me. And, you, and then you're sitting there mad at yourself going, oh my gosh, I got this new client, got the new business, I got the new money coming in. And then the thing is, you always give that attention to the new person, the new baby, but you know that somebody else is going, some ball is going to be dropped somewhere or you're going to have to work Sunday. And yet, so then you're splitting your your focus, your energy and your happiness on, I should be thrilled that I got new business. But somewhere in the back of your brain, you know you can't handle more. And she said, it's so exciting now when I get new business to have it just glide right and it's seamless. And we do get to be excited about the part that is exciting because there is no downside to it. And that's a big thing. People don't even, they're not even honest with themselves because they just think, oh, I just need more. I need more business. I need more money. I, I need more clients. But can you really handle it? Or is it, a, you know, is it a toss up? Who's going to be annoyed at you first? Mm, yeah, I think we've all been there. I think we've all been in that place where we feel the need necessity is a better way to put it. We have the necessity that, you know what, in order for this business to succeed, the necessity is more income. And the easiest way I know to do more income is to have more work. But more work means more work, and it doesn't mean that you necessarily can handle it. So I know you listed out the three. You, you said it's uh, it's admin work, it's busy work, and it's new work. Man, saying admin work makes me feel like I'm already choking. But how does admin work choke a business? Well, just like I gave that example earlier with my client, Sue, the designer, you know, so often it just becomes an extension of what you do, whatever it is you do. And then all of a sudden there's, a, oh, there's just, oh, the onboarding the client and you think, oh, you know, in this case, we're talking about whatever, or it, it's a pre and post work to everything. And then as you start to give more depth and scope to what you do and say, oh, I want to do this for my clients. I want to do this. Well, then there just creates more, more pre and post work. And so then you know, let's just again do simple math. If we had 10 units of productivity or 10 units of activity or 10 units of time, really what you need to be doing is maybe those two hours in the middle. But you get so busy with the pre-work that by the time you get to the middle, you're fatigued, right? You're not fresh. You're like, okay, I got all the paperwork out of this. Uh, okay, here I am with you, right? You always think it's temporary. You always think once you can pass this next thing, you know, you always just think, well, it's part of the process and it, it's really not. You even can have things sort of like spoon fed to you by your team so that when you're ready to do your work, you're just in that lane doing that thing and that's it. Mm. Yeah. Obviously, we're not about busy work at all. There's no reason that that's one of the other things that you talk about as, as far as things that can choke a business. What would you say falls into that category? Because I think a lot of times we say the words, oh, I'm so busy. 
And, you know, those of us who talk and think about productivity say it's not about being busy. It's about being productive. But busy, I think, is a state of mind. My time is taken up. My actions are always in motion. And busy work, I think, is one of those things where it's just it's work for the sake of work versus work for the sake of a direction. Like it's not moving in a direction. That's my take. But what's your take here? Yeah, I thought for years at the beginning, too, that, oh, well, I'm so busy, this has to work out. But I now find it insulting if somebody says to me, oh, are you busy? And I'm like, oh, no, because to me, that's a weakness. Like, no, I'm doing things I love to do, and it takes up as much time as I want it to do. Because here's the reality. No matter what you do, you say you're busy, but then if something came up like a huge opportunity tomorrow, that would be amazing, you know, for your business. You're absolutely not busy. I got time for you. You know what I mean? Like, honestly, Eric, I don't usually do interviews on Thursdays. I don't. I, I time block them. I put them further ahead. I usually manage on Wednesday. But for you, you're like, hey, can you do Thursday? Yeah, I'm not busy for Eric. We go way back. I love being introverted. And I'm not busy for somebody else. It's all interpretive. I would have, no, can't make that work. Sorry, I'm busy on Thursdays, right? So it's such a, it's just a weakness, I think, to use when it says what you want me to do is not that important, right? So there's that. I think also we may have talked about this in the first show. And I, I think what really, messes a lot of people up is first of all, working off a to-do list. A to-do list is an exceptional tool if you're looking to stress yourself out, have your brain go in all different directions because there's no increments of time. It's not in chronological order. It doesn't do any of that. So I often talk about your calendar as your time bank account. So what that means for me is a couple of things is that people often don't put their own work. They put outside forces on their calendar like, oh, I'm going to meet with Eric today. That's on my calendar. But my work a lot of times people don't put that on their calendar. And they'll say, oh, Chris, well, I do that every day. I don't have to count that. Even like emails. And I say, okay, let's go over that. So if you do it every day and it's not on your calendar, that's really like me saying, well, I have a car payment that comes out every month, but I don't count it because I know it comes out every month. Well, the money is gone. So what happens is when you don't put your work on your calendar, First of all, your brain goes in all different directions, trying to always keep on track of what you have to do. Secondly, you might be walking into that workday thinking you have eight hours, but you actually have thought. And so there comes the problem. Now you're stressed out. You're trying to make up time. You're juggling all these things. So that's really just the foundation of how you map out your time really sets you up to fail right from the get-go. And then nobody wants to work with that person. And then you're not relying on systems and processes. You know, you're trying to overcome things with speed and you're barking at people and it just doesn't yield effective results. Yeah, I remember us talking about that. And I remember thinking, um, I don't know if calendar is the good way to go about it. But I, I mean, I've come around a lot on that. I will block things out. I mean, I will literally block out like, here's something I need to work on. Well, that's an appointment for me with me and no one else can take that time. And I just do it that way. I still have like a scratch list, you know, as a to-do list, but that's not necessarily like that's the to-do list more is it has more to do with like capturing. It's a way to corral the ideas that then graduate to the calendar. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. When we're doing this process and we want to avoid the admin work, busy work and new work choking us and we're creating our systems and processes, what are some of the things that we should avoid mistake wise when creating those systems and processes? Yeah, a big mistake is trying to get it all perfect. I did this so many times back in the day where I think, oh, I'm going to come in on Sunday. I'm going to create all these systems and processes. I color code them. It's going to be beautiful, right? 
I'm going to do all these things. Really, all it is, is just about getting anything done. If you look at the biggest, most successful companies in the entire world, they're all software-based and they put stuff out in beta, right? We'll put it out to the marketplace. Yeah, there's all going to be all kinds of problems. We're going to get feedback. And then what's going to happen is we'll make improvements. So we get better, faster and faster instead of us trying to get it all right and then put it out eight months later and our competitors got it out, you know, in four months. And the same thing really with your systems and processes. Just start putting it down. Like we started doing videos on TikTok. Day one, we started our systems and processes, our super toolkit for TikTok. Now it has evolved very much since the first day when I barely knew how to log in. You know, so it, it just gets more and more efficient. Now it's like, well, what type of video I'm going to do? Because there's different, you know, instead of me just getting a video up, but it becomes more and more powerful, more and more efficient. And, you know, and we just move forward. But we didn't wait till we learned TikTok. We were there day one, building out a super toolkit, build on your strengths. So you're not relearning stuff. And then it just eliminates human error. And so you're like, oh, I won't make that mistake twice because, oh, it's down. Oh, right. TikTok's different than Instagram, the way we do this. Boom. It's all there in the super toolkit. And again, then as I'm using that super toolkit and I'm following the steps, whatever basic steps they are, even if I'm brand new at something, then it leaves my brain power for, you know, being creative and trying this instead of remember, oh yeah, right. I did that yesterday and it didn't work. Right. You're not using that juice up, right? So just start with your systems and processes the moment you're doing something and you just improve it and build it out as you go. Eliminates relearning stuff like a thousand percent. Awesome. I think that it would be great if we were able to push people towards where you're doing your work and they can kind of reverse engineer or observe or connect with you as well as you mentioned your podcast. I'd love to link that up in the show notes as well. Yeah, my podcast is just, you know, it's not about this. We just have fun with general business. It could be anything from sales to social media, but we'd love for you to check us out. And uh, what I did actually is we have a free gift F-R-E-E gift from Chris, K-R-I-S dot com, free gift from Chris dot com. And we put fun goodies in there uh, for you, Eric. One, there's this amazing little sort of quiz that gives you win time back quiz that will really give you some insight to some really fun stuff and give you actionable and immediate results on that. And then also put something super special in there that we won't have there very long. It's the pre the first book. So you might want to grab that. And uh, yeah, check me out on any of the socials. Tell me that you heard me on this fantastic show and we'll be quick friends for sure. And uh, yeah, I'm really passionate about your business should support your life, not consume it. Awesome. Chris, great talking with you again. Glad to have you back. And I know it won't be the last time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Well, that's another podcast crossed off your listening to-do list. I hope that you enjoyed listening in on this conversation with Chris. It was great to talk to her again on the show. Don't forget her free gift. You can get that over at freegiftfromchris.com. That's freegiftfromchris, and Chris is spelled K-R-I-S, freegiftfromchris.com. If you enjoyed this conversation like I did, and you know of somebody else who would need to hear it, somebody who needs to work on their business or in their business a little bit more along the lines of what's in this conversation, I'm sure you've got somebody in mind. Why not do them that favor and me that favor of sharing this episode with them? Hit that share button in your podcast player app of choice. Let them know you were thinking of them and that this would really help them. That would be great. And it helps the show as well. Thank you so much for sharing. Thanks again for listening. And I will see you next episode.